Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. We have been discussing CIC issue number 67. You can find that on our website, cicministry.org. Go under articles and you can find issue 67 and print the PDF or just follow along online. Last week, we were talking about the two passages in Matthew that refer to Elijah. And we showed that the first one, which was Matthew 11, 13, and 14, was referring to John the Baptist. And we discussed how John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. I'm going to read the next verse out of Matthew, and then we're going to talk about the Elijah who is to come. So Matthew 17, 10 and 11. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. All right, so let's talk about this Elijah who is coming. Okay. So having concluded from Malachi 3 and verse 1, that was fulfilled with John the Baptist, right? Right. So now we're looking at this verse in Matthew 17. So Jesus says there's yet a future coming of Elijah. That's very clear. Jessica just read that. Now an awful lot of people in various versions of Christianity, don't believe that'll ever happen. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so the fact is, Jesus said that it will. And what we want to do is lay out the pattern here and why it makes sense to see that as a future coming that will happen before the wrath of God is fully poured out. the ultimate day of the Lord. And it really happened during that period, which we call the tribulation or Daniel's 70th week. Now, we realize an awful lot of people don't believe that any of that will ever happen. They don't believe any of it's federal. They believe the church is Israel. They believe there's no tribulation. They don't believe in no future Bible prophecy except for the coming of Christ and the, the final judgment, and that God has no place whatsoever for ethnic national Israel in Bible prophecy. Now, we've debated that a lot, but an awful lot of people believe that. They have taken the easy way out. They've just thrown away a whole bunch of prophecy. They've asserted that even though there was so much literal prophecy fulfilled during this first advent, as cited by the biblical writers, all future prophecy will be figurative and not literal, except for maybe a couple things. Right. right. And furthermore, they've gone on, as we've shown, to make a claim that America is going to be like the new Israel with a, a millennium. Yeah. And so they have all kinds of stuff. And so it's interesting to me that a lot of the reform folks who reject Bible prophecy are the very ones from which has come these claims that America is going to have a covenant and that 
America's going to have a millennium. Finney claimed that. Finney was supposedly Presbyterian, though his soteriology was, was not that. And so right. they don't get this. So bear with us. We're going to show you what the Bible says. All right? Call us naive, but we aren't giving ground to these false prophets. Right. We're not giving ground to the claim that America has a covenant with God and America is Israel. And we're not giving ground to post-millennialism and prophets within some millennial kingdom that's coming now. We're not creating right. a problem with our theology. I think some self-reflection would be in order with those who reject literal Bible prophecy. Now, we know that John the Baptist fulfilled Malachi 3.1 because Jesus said so. Yeah. Now, let's see if there is any role for a yet future Elijah role. Elijah himself wasn't the one who came with John the Baptist. Now, to put this in context, we need to realize that there's two advents. Israel at the time of John the Baptist, and then he was martyred because he rebuked a king, which is his role to do. Uh, Jesus came and was also was crucified and died for sins, shed his blood once for all. He died once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. He was raised from the dead. So Jesus made atonement. And as we said last week, Elijah's washings were like cleansing, preparing for the day of atonement. Right. And Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But it was Jesus who predicted yet a future role for Elijah. Okay. okay? And Jessica read that. Now, Malachi 4, 5 is the one that will yet be fulfilled. Let me read that. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Malachi 4, 5. So there is yet another coming of Elijah or the Elijah role in some form before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Okay. Right? So do we have anywhere in the Bible that would make us think that that will actually literally happen? Okay, or happen at least as far as that Elijah role, because John the Baptist wasn't literally Elijah. So right. let's turn to Revelation 11 and verse 3. Okay. 11 and verse 3. Here's what it says. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. Okay, so the ministry of the two witnesses will last for half of the great tribulation, or half of the tribulation. Sackcloth in the Bible is symbolic of mourning and repentance. Okay. And so um, this great and terrible day of the Lord was mentioned in Malachi 4.5. And we see also the prophecy that will happen during this mentioned in Revelation, preparing for the second advent. So John the Baptist comes before the first advent. The two witnesses fulfill the Elijah role before the second coming. Right. And see, that's what 
caused so much offense under the first advent because the leadership of Israel thought that Elijah was going to come and there's going to be this terrible day of the Lord. And what that meant was that God was going to judge Israel's enemies and destroy them, set up the Messianic kingdom, and, and that Messiah would reign on the throne of David as promised. Now, okay. what happened was, this happens in two stages. The suffering servant comes the first in the first advent and dies for sins and makes atonement. The vengeance of God on enemies will come later. And so Malachi 4, 5 is about that later one. So what confused and offended the Jews was that the vengeance didn't come then. Okay. Rather than John the Baptist calling down fire and destroying enemies, he was destroyed by the enemy or killed by the enemy of God. Okay, a wicked right. Jew. But Messiah is going to come again and bring judgment. That's what the Bible teaches. So the Messianic hope of Israel was a hope that included vindication of her desire for the wicked to be judged. Did they have any reason to think that such a thing would happen? Yes, a true prophet, not like these prophets in our day who aren't true prophets, Jeremiah prophesied a day of wrath and vengeance. Okay, Jeremiah 46.10. Let me quote that. For that day belongs to the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, so as to avenge himself on his foes. And the sword will devour and be satiated and drink its fill of their blood, for there will be a slaughter for the Lord God of hosts in the land of the north by the river Euphrates, Jeremiah 46.10. So that day of wrath okay. didn't happen. No. John the Baptist didn't call forth anything. It didn't happen. Right. The disciples wanted to. They said, well, yeah. so down fire. No, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. They couldn't understand. If you're Messiah, what, where's, and, and Elijah's coming, so on, where's the fire? Where's the wrath? How could uh, these perverted, wicked Romans, being who they are, prevail over us. How could that be? And what they didn't understand was there's two advents. Yeah. Now, dear uh, listeners and those uh, viewers on, on YouTube, let me let, get you to think about something. Was literal prophecy fulfilled literally during the first advent? Yes. What, was Jesus betrayed for a literal 30 pieces of silver, or was it just an amount of money? And they cast lots for his clothes. Right. It, everything oh, was literally fulfilled. One thing after another, other than Elijah not being actual Elijah, but John the Baptist, everything else literally fulfilled. And that was the fulfillment. And Jesus, who speaks infallibly for God, because he's God the Son, told us it's the fulfillment of Malachi. But right. he pointed to a yet future fulfillment. Now, listeners, can Jesus be wrong? No. no. Did the hermeneutical rules of fulfilled prophecy change? No. Can we claim that under the first advent, the literalness of the fulfillment was almost shocking? 
And right. Jesus himself said this happened in order that it might be fulfilled again and again. Many, many dozens of times. Some people have counted them all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 600 and something, I think. It's, it's so many. It's, it's unbelievable. Phenomenal. Okay. Now, a whole bunch of evangelical Christians are trying to tell us that nothing literal is going to happen in the future except for Christ will come and there'll be final, final judgment. That's it. Right. That's, All of the hermeneutical rules have changed. Revelation isn't telling us anything about literal future Bible prophecy. Uh, we can't expect any of this to happen. That's not even believable. I debated a Reformed theologian and pastor in a public debate, and he thought I was just going to say stuff out of uh, uh, somebody's Bible or, or whatever. Yeah. I just went from Scripture. And I brought up this argument. He had no answer. He, he could not and did not even try to tell me when the hermeneutical rules changed and how we're supposed to know that. Right. Or why we shouldn't expect it to be literal. So on one side, we have a whole bunch of people that dismiss it outright. Okay. And they make up their own millennium, which is going to happen now. Right. Or they, they're or able it's, to or they just say it's not going to happen. God said it would happen, but it won't because Israel failed. So God rejected and he'll never restore Israel. We don't believe what Paul said in Romans 11. It can't be true. And we don't believe future Bible prophecy. So they're doing that. And on the other hand, we have these false prophets throughout uh, the land claiming to be prophets for God now between the two advents. Okay. okay. And they're claiming to be prophets to nations. Here's my claim. Between the Elijah who came and the Elijah who is to come, which will be the two witnesses, fulfillment of Malachi, there are no prophets to nations. Okay? Right. The nations are under civil rulers because that's how God's ruling providentially. Romans 13 shows that. Uh, you go back to the table of nations. That's just how it is. In the future, there will be a literal millennial kingdom, and Messiah himself will be on the scene of history ruling. Right. Before that happens, there's going to be the tribulation period, which is prophesied in the Bible and in the, in the Old and New Testaments. And... In that period, that's when this will happen. Right now, we're in a church age. Okay. There are no prophets to nations. There are no prophets that are going to tell us who's going to win the next election. There are no prophets that are going to tell us if the stock market's going to go up or down. There are no prophets that can tell us the meaning of events in nature. There are no prophets that can tell us that because there's a drought somewhere, God's angry with the farmers in that part of the country. There's no prophets that can tell us because there was a big wind that came through and knocked a corn down in Iowa this last year. And I came from a corn farm in Iowa. Well, now God's more angry with the farmers in Iowa than he is the farmers in Minnesota. Right. What do they think? Is God angry because Iowa went uh, at Iowa because they went for Trump and he's happy with Minnesota because they went for Biden? Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. 
But now, listeners, if, if some questions are popping up in your mind here, some of this stuff is things that we've covered in previous podcast series. And so if you haven't heard those, we can go into a lot more detail when we're dealing with just specific topics. So one series I want to recommend, Bob and Pastor Eric did a series on how God rules his world. And that really dealt with the civil authorities and how God has structured things for right now. That was earlier this year, I want to say April or so. So you can go back and find that one. There was also a long series that um, Pastor Eric and Bob did on Bible prophecy, where they really addressed some passages that are often misused by our preterist friends or amillennial friends. And there was a lot of things that were answered in there that we can't really deal with today, but you can get a much more thorough understanding of the issues listening to that one. I also want to make sure we're clear. We would view the amillennial or the postmillennial position as false, but we would view our amillennial and postmillennial friends as brothers and sisters in Christ. So while we can differ on these things, we're not saying they're outside of Christianity. When it comes to false prophets, is that the same story? Well, the false prophets are pernicious and seriously wrong. Right. They may have the gospel right, okay? Yeah. One I wrote about did have the gospel in there, so I always rejoice when I hear that. But some people are doing so much damage to the church, they need to be withstood. Right. And it's giving a bad name to Bible prophecy in general by doing things that aren't even in keeping with what the Bible teaches us is valid today. And I'm not here to try to make enemies, even though... I'm pretty good at that. Um, It's not the idea. The idea is to help people know the truth. Okay. Right. That brother that I debated on this, he invited me to come preach at Sunday night in his church after that debate. It wasn't rancorous. No, I've gotten to know him. He's a nice, he's he's a, he genuinely loves the Lord. Yeah. We we just disagree on this issue. A lot of people don't understand eschatology, but I don't, there's got to be a desire to learn better, learn the way of the Lord more perfectly, like we saw in Acts. Why isn't there that desire? Why not search the scriptures to see if these things are true and be like the Bereans? I'm not asking you to yeah. join something. I'm asking you to search the scriptures. And how much more exciting it is when you see this all fit together. Right. Okay, these two comings of Elijah before, one before the first advent, when sins are removed, so there's cleansing, and another coming, actually the two witnesses coming in a prophetic role as the wrath of God is to be poured out at the very end at Armageddon, really ties the Bible together. Wouldn't it be more satisfying to see the whole picture? Don't just react because some people you don't like uh, with faulty soteriology believe in literal Bible prophecy. We need to go back and search the scriptures to see what's true. Amen. You know, one thing you frequently say is, is that we're all wrong about something, but whatever it is we're wrong about is hurting us. Yeah, we would want to learn, and I've had to learn a lot in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah. 
because I've been in different groups and I've been in things that later I saw this isn't right. And what always ended up helping me get straightened is learning what the scripture actually says about it. And okay. that's what we want to help you do here. Right. But, but go to God's word. Don't just take our word for it. Go to the scriptures and see what it says. Yeah, um, look up, look up uh, these passages that we're talking about. Right. Jesus, after announcing that uh, Elijah role was fulfilled with John the Baptist, did he yet talk about a future coming of Elijah, yes or no? And yes, he did. Yes is the only answer you can give. Now, are you going to take that to be something that will happen before the wrath of God is poured out? And, and are you going to agree, or you know, maybe you're going to disagree with, me, with us? We believe it doesn't happen during the church age, but it happens during the tribulation period. Right. And Revelation would give us every reason to believe that. And during the church age, which would go, let's go from Pentecost till I believe in a literal rapture of the church. Okay. During that period, the church age, the period between Daniel's 69th week, which happened right as Christ is coming in to Jerusalem, to the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, when the, when the church is raptured. During that period, we're in the church age. During that period, there are no prophets to nations. Right. Okay. There's no nation that has a special covenant status with God as they are now. Now, yes. Israel still has promises. And Israel is significant. But Israel, as Israel is now, is there, and I think it's very significant, but there's no prophet to Israel right now either. Right. If there were, they'd have to fulfill Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, and be infallible and errant and everything else. Yes. And there is no such person, nor is there one to America, nor is there one to some other nation. There are no prophets to nations. Yeah. The prophets to nations will arise during Daniel's 70th week. Now, if you're Reformed, you don't take much of this seriously. But you still have to account for the fact that we are dealing with people claiming to be such prophets. They're claiming to be such prophets now. They're making claims about America that Reformed people have made themselves. If you're okay. Reformed, you look at your own history. Look at the Reconstruction right. Movement. Uh, look at, now Fiddy, I agree, he claimed to be Reformed, but he was Pelagian, but he claimed there was a millennium coming. Okay, so if you say America somehow is, is a, a covenant nation of some sort, well, then don't be shocked if people arise claiming to be prophets to that covenant nation. Well, and, that, and that's just it. And, you know, friends, if you're a millennial, we disagree with you. I, I don't, you know, we've not been unclear on that. But even if you're a millennial, there's still no prophets to America right now. Right. That doesn't change it. They're still false prophets. If you say none of this stuff is going to happen in the future, well, then when it happens, you'll know that that wasn't right. But 
we're agreeing that we're in the church age. Right. Yes. And that's what I was trying to get at earlier. I think um, you just say it much more clearly. And we are in the church age preaching the gospel. How does the kingdom of God get established during the church age? Through the spread of the gospel. Right. Every time someone hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, his bodily ascension to heaven, his person, his preexistence, his authority and power, his atoning death, his future coming in judgment, and the need to repent and believe in the gospel and trust Christ alone, saved by faith alone, by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, as taught in scripture alone, that is when someone is added by God's grace to the church. And that is how somebody is in a covenant relationship with God, by being added to the church. Okay. Right. So we have a lot more to say about this, and I will be writing about it. You don't enter the new covenant by natural generation. You enter the new covenant by supernatural regeneration. Amen. You're not in the new covenant because your parents were Christians. Right. You're not in the new covenant because you were born in America or England or wherever. You're not in the new covenant because you participate in church. You only enter through the blood atonement and the washing away of sins, the circumcision of the heart. And we have to agree that as we, the real prophecy is preaching the gospel and announcing the terms of salvation. And every believer can do that. And when people believe, they're, they're citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. And whatever Wait. happens, okay? Maybe you don't think there'll ever be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Maybe you don't think there'll ever be a millennial kingdom. And I don't know how you fill in all these things if you don't believe in it. You believe that there'll be some sort of a future, future paradise with God reigning and people participating. So mm-hmm. if you're Reformed and you don't believe any of this future stuff other than that, at least you can agree that our prophetic calling is to preach the gospel. People can be added and they will participate in whatever happens. Wow. Amen. They'll participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb, in the millennium, and in the New Jerusalem after the millennium ends in yet another judgment. And I believe that'll all happen. But we agree they'll participate if they come to Christ. Amen. And let's agree that these false prophets are doing nothing but damage and confusion and harm to the gospel itself because it's so confusing. If these guys are speaking for God and they keep getting proven wrong, then people might conclude, well, if they are preaching the gospel, which some don't, some do, well, then maybe the gospel's wrong. Right. If you're one of these false prophets, you're just making people think the gospel's wrong. So stop. Quit doing it. Exactly. These false prophets are leading people away from Christ, not to them. Even if you have the gospel right, but you're adding to it, or you're causing them to think they need to do all of these different things in order to prepare for whatever is coming. It's just taking the focus off of what we have in Christ, what he did for us and the promises of God. Right. And I've publicly admitted the different false things I was in in the 70s. I've written about it, talked about it a lot. It helped prepare me to try to help other people. Okay. 
Because yeah, I don't yeah. want them to do what I did when I was wrong about some things. So we can learn. But dear ones, we need to get this right because the saints are being harmed. The gospel is being discredited. And we've got to stop this. We've got to stop uttering prophecies that aren't from God and realize that we're under providence and we learn what lessons we learn as providence unfolds. No one knows the future other than what the Bible predicts will happen. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary. We want to remind you that you can access this program and many others, as well as years' worth of articles, at the website cicministry.org. And we want to remind you, too, as it says in Philippians 1.27, stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.